While much valuable Christian literature from prior centuries has been republished in recent years, the particular Baptists have been largely ignored. Yet, their contributions in the areas of biblical exegesis, theology, history, and practical Christian living have much to offer today's church. The particular Baptists have always demonstrated a firm and faithful commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, its proclamation to all the world, and the inspiration, inerrancy, and absolute authority of all of Scripture. We at Particular Baptist Heritage Books desire to champion this God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, word-centered legacy by producing high-quality, handcrafted, hard-cased editions of Particular Baptist works, which we hope will endure for generations to come. Particular Baptist Heritage Books is a nonprofit publishing ministry founded in connection with a local church. With the help from an advisory board consisting of Calvinistic Baptist pastors and scholars, we seek to preserve the history, theology, and relevancy of our particular Baptist forebears by publishing and promoting their most important literary works. Our mission is to glorify God and to strengthen His church by furnishing Christians with the very best of the particular Baptist literary heritage. And so we invite you, come and deepen your Baptist roots at www.particularbaptistbooks.com www.particularbaptistbooks.com Welcome to Confessing the Faith, the theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I am your host, Sam Waldron. I'm one of the pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and the professor of systematic theology here at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Last time I left the great question hanging, how can a sinful man be just before the holy God? Chapter 11 of the 1689 seeks to answer the question, and having seen the necessity of justification and how the Bible explicitly confronts us with that question, consider next the agent of justification. The author or agent of our justification is God the Father. Romans 3.25, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Romans 3.26, for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 8.33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. In each of these cases, the context or grammar makes clear that it is God the Father who justifies us on the basis of the righteousness of God the Son. He sustains the majesty, the Father does, of the Godhead in the work of redemption. He is the one who justifies. We must never think, therefore, that we must justify ourselves in God's sight by our apologies for sin our rationalizations, our excuses, or our good works. God alone can justify. But this brings us to the meaning of justification. Under the meaning of justification, or, or the verb justify, 
we must first think about its familiar and mundane usage. The examination of this point is forced upon us by Roman Catholicism, which teaches that to justify is to make someone a good person, to give them a holy nature, a loving, ethical disposition. Even the common usage of the word justify or justification is frequently opposed to this meaning. It is common and popular usage when we justify ourselves We are not making ourselves good, but declaring or proclaiming or pronouncing ourselves to be righteous. This same meaning is reflected in its use in the scriptures with reference to mundane matters, and we see it in many passages, Deuteronomy 25.1, Proverbs 17.15, Luke 7.29, Romans 8.33 and 34. And all of this confirms this understanding of the word by using it as the opposite of condemnation. To condemn, of course, does not mean to make someone wicked, but to pronounce or declare them to be wicked. Furthermore, Romans 8, 33 and 34 is in a judicial context. Note the phrase, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Justification is not a change in us. It is a verdict about us. In the act of justification, God is acting as a judge, not as a surgeon. He is pronouncing a verdict, not giving us a heart transplant. But this brings us to the unique and redemptive significance of the word. If justify means to declare righteous, the question raised above becomes even more poignant. How can God justify the unrighteous? The Bible says that he hates such judges as justify the wicked. Yet the Bible declares that God is indeed justify the ungodly. To him who works not, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, Romans 4, 5 says. And also read Romans 3, 19 to 24. Yet he is not unjust in so doing. He is just and the justifier of him who believes in Jesus, Romans 3.26. What is it that enables him to be just when he justifies the unjust? When God justifies a sinner, he not only declares a man righteous, but also constitutes him righteous in order that he may justly declare him righteous. This, according to Romans 5.19, is the unique redemptive significance of justification. Care is required here, however, for Paul does mean that a man, Paul does not mean that a man is made a good person when he says made or constituted righteous. He means that God has put him in the judicial category of being righteous. The reason we say this is because the righteousness God is looking at when he justifies is not our own, but someone else's. When he justifies, it is not because of a righteousness which we have accrued by our obedience, by our own conformity to God's law, but by Christ's obedience, Romans 5, 17 to 19. This point brings us to the basis or ground of justification. Justification by faith alone is justification on the ground of Christ alone.